Uh, for those of you who are wondering why I'm sitting in a chair up here, um, uh, I don't know for sure exactly what happened, but uh, likely has to do with uh, trying to reposition a snowmobile on, on a sled, uh, or uh, on a trailer, I should say. Um, didn't happen right away at that moment, so uh, it seems like I have some sort of a pinched nerve that gets a little irritated, a little angry with me when I stand for too long, uh, but it seems to be fine when I'm sitting. If you want, and Steve didn't even know that this is, uh, that I'm, I'm kind of blaming it on, on, uh, on an experience I had with Steve. Um, he can tell you a more entertaining and more embarrassing story of what happened uh, later after service. I'm sure he will enjoy telling that to you. Um, anyway, um, we, uh, I, do, I do pray that if you guys could keep me in prayer, because in a couple weeks, I actually have a family vacation planned. I also plan to take a bunch of kids to a youth conference, so feeling a little bit more mobility would be wonderful. So um, keep me in your prayers. But right now, I'm just thankful that I can at least have relief sitting and I can still do things in this position. So, so that's good. Um, the message today is called, Let the Lord Build Your House. Uh, one of the main components uh, that we often connect with uh, the American dream is owning your own house. Nowadays, it seems like that, uh, that, that dream of owning a house is even competing for, for first place um, with, with getting married. Um, people want to have a house you know, right, after, they get it, right after, you get out, after you get out of school, maybe before you get married, you want to get a house. It, it gives some sort of sense of accomplishment or, or that you've made it, that now you're a real adult maybe. I, I don't know. Um, but it's a, owning a house is a significant part, a significant life event. And it, and it can also be a significant part of your, your long-term investing. Uh, it can be a way that parents even pass on wealth to their children or to their grandchildren. And though homeownership uh, is sometimes thought of as a uh, kind of safe form of, of investing, uh, maybe safer than some other forms, it's not a guarantee. And when this life is over, it's not going with you. Uh, today we're going to be looking at Psalms 127. Uh, Gordy talked about Psalm 27. This is 127. Uh, but we're going to be talking about uh, God building his house. Uh, this is located right in the middle of 15 chapters that all have a heading above it that say that they're written to, um, to pilgrims that are ascending to Jerusalem. These are people from around the nation of Israel that are coming to Jerusalem to worship. So some of the themes of this psalm include hope in God for protection and blessing, um, joy, praise, and thanksgiving, and then there's references to families and to his house. And all of these are, are found in some subtle way through this short little psalm that only has five verses. And this psalm was written by King Solomon. And at this time in history, all able-bodied men were to make a pilgrimage at least three times. There were other festivals, but there were three times that they were to, to go to Jerusalem to present offerings and to celebrate um, one of those was the festival of Passover, where they celebrated their exodus from Egypt. One of them uh, was called Shavuot, possibly, I don't, probably not saying it right, um, which is an offering of first fruits for their first harvest of the year. And then there was uh, Sukkot, which is a combination of, of a Thanksgiving for the final harvest of the year. And also it was, um, they, they did a remembrance of God's provision and protection during the 40 years that they were living out in the wilderness. 
So as these men, who were often accompanied by their families, were on their way to the temple, uh, you can imagine them uh, maybe choosing songs that would be about God's protection, his provision, about his blessings, about his deliverance. Um, I imagine it's similar to us as we get close to Thanksgiving or we get close to especially Christmas and Easter, we begin to sing songs that prepare our hearts to celebrate um, that, that event that we're trying to remember of what God has done in our past. Uh, so let's start by reading the Psalms as a whole, or the Psalm as a whole, with the idea in mind, in mind that uh, this is being sung by travelers that are coming into the city, bringing with them their best offerings to give to God, who has continued to protect them and supply all of their needs. So Psalms 127, 1 through 5 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. Unless um, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are renewed, uh, sorry, they are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a, in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just want to give you thanks as we, uh, as we come before you today, as we're in this house of worship. We want to give you thanks for all the mighty works that you've done. Lord, we thank you that uh, you created us, that you created this world for us to live in, that you've blessed us with all of the, the things that we need, uh, shelter and home, uh, family, food. Uh, Lord, we thank you that... Uh, that you saved us, Lord, when we were lost, when we were separated from you, you made a way uh, through the cross for us to know you. Lord, we pray that you would build us into a house that would stand strong for you. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts and encourage us in how we can run hard after you as we um, use the gifts and skills that you've given us that we would not build for our own glory, but for yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so uh, Psalms 127, we're going to look at just verse 1 for a second here. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, I don't know if I went past verse 1, um, guarding it with sentries will do no good. Uh, it seems likely that the picture that Solomon was painting here uh, in this song was of the temple so they're all headed up to Jerusalem. They're headed to the temple. He talks about the house, and it seems like the temple was likely the house he was referring to. And when he mentions the city, he's probably talking about Jerusalem. So you can imagine these travelers coming from all around the nation. They're coming to worship. They're walking up out of the valleys. Jerusalem's kind of up a little bit higher. So they're walking out of the valleys towards Jerusalem, and they see this strong city, this fortified city of Jerusalem with its strong gates and massive walls. Uh, during the reign of Hezekiah, it says that the walls were 22 feet wide and 25 feet tall. So wide, it's like thick. Like That's how much room there is from when you're standing on top of it. I mean, I, I have no idea how many hundreds of 
feet long it was to go around it. It, cha- it varied throughout history. They kind of moved the walls and encompassed more and more city. But 22 feet wide and 25 feet tall. It would be easy coming to worship God when you start to walk up this hill and you see this massive fortress of a city um, that they would start to put a little bit of hope in the strength of their city and in, in what they as a nation has have built. Um, then they come into the city and they walk towards the temple, this temple that Solomon was instructed to build and, and everything is coated with gold. There's this fine craftsmanship that was done. There's, there's precious stones inset throughout this, the, this temple and you walk up to it and you start to think, wow, you know, we are a great nation. Look at our riches. Um, this song served to remind them as they approach that if it were not built for God, it wouldn't stand. If it was built apart from God, it would be in vain. It wouldn't last. It would be no good. It would be useless. Uh, the wall that they built was great, but they probably remember back to the walls of Jericho. Those were great walls too. Um, there were temples that filled the land that they took possession of, and, and they destroyed those temples. They melted down the, the gold idols that, that were there. The walls on the temple are great, but if God is not with them, if God is not in it, then there's no certainty in it. You may be safe and you might not be safe, but there's no guarantee if God is not in it. Verse 2 says, It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. God gives rest to his loved ones. You got to like that ending, right? Uh, If we were to look up uh, verses 1 and 2 in the New King James, it uses the word vain three times. But in in, uh, the New Living Translation, it translates the word vain, wasted, no good, and useless. Those are the words that we see being used through these two verses. These words combine to give a picture of, of what the true value is of a house or a city that is built solely on our own strength, our own abilities, for our own purposes and our own plans. Great nations will fall, but God and his kingdom will last forever. So um, during these festivals, there there was a call for these people to, to leave their work behind, and there was a time of rest from their daily work. Um... And then there was also a sacrifice. They were bringing with them something that they'd worked hard for. So some of them, like us, maybe find it hard to take a break from our work. There's there's always something to do. It's it's hard to just be idle. Um, But God says, don't be anxious. Don't always be anxious about trying to accomplish all these little things. Um, God is the one who's truly in control. Whether or not you know, you get everything done exactly the way you have in mind to do it, God is still in control and he gives us rest. It's God that provides for us. So for the worshipers arriving, some of them may have had offerings with them that maybe they felt a little re- reluctant to even want to give. They look at it and they, they imagine uh, their use for it or their need for it. Um, and this song was a reminder redirecting their hearts and their minds that, that worshiping God, that remaining in relationship with him was far more important than some grain or some calves or some sheep. God was their ultimate provider. This stuff 
they wouldn't have if it weren't for him. They wouldn't have a life if it weren't for them. They wouldn't have breath or a heartbeat if it weren't for him. And so they came and they sang these songs and they reminded themselves that God is the one who builds the house. They don't have to be anxious. They can find rest in it. They can afford to give what God is asking of them because God is in control. So the question we have to ask ourselves is what is it or is there something in our life that we're placing too high of a value on? Is there something that we are reluctant uh, to give up that we know that we, we should give up? Whether Maybe it's eating up our time or maybe it just doesn't have any real value in it. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, is the Lord directing the build of our house, the build of our life, or are we directing the build of our house? Are we wor working with uh, anxiety and losing sleep because we're putting our trust in ourselves or in the stock market or in the state of the union? Let this song be a strong reminder to us that unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. I heard a, a celebrity one time um, was talking about how, uh, uh, how he felt like he first made it, like the, the time when he really felt like he had become something. And similar to what I was talking about before about owning a house, he said it was when he first got his, his first like real, you know, life of, lifestyle of the rich and famous type home that he felt like, man, now I've arrived. Um, so he, uh, he got this house and this was a single guy he didn't have a family. And he said, after a while, the house just kind of started to feel um, like just a house. It was just a, a place where you eat and a place where you sleep. And, and it seemed kind of pointless. Now, maybe he was just trying to, uh, you know, connect with his audience uh, and trying to make people like us feel a little bit better, you know, feel more uh, like he's not up here and we're down here. Maybe he's trying to connect with us. But but it does seem like when you get to the top, if, if you're only doing it for you and for, for you know, according to your hopes and plans, you, when you get to the top, then what? You know, what, what value does it really have? Now, uh, we don't have to build or acquire to that level. Most of us will never have a home like he had. But, uh, but we can have kind of that same sort of experience. We, we all have different pictures in our, in our heads of what our, our hopes and dreams might be. Um, I know for for me, uh, my childhood kind of instilled in me what what I thought that would be. Maybe that was true for a lot of you. Maybe some of you have gotten to the point in your life where you've kind of achieved those things. I feel like um, largely that's you know I'm kind of at that place. I, I I wanted a small house, you know, kind of like what I grew up with. Nothing too big, just just enough to be practical. I wanted to have a couple acres of land. Um, I really liked growing up where I did, where I could see the weather coming in from the west, and so um, I kind of looked for that a little bit. Uh, I wanted once we had kids, I wanted them to be able to have some of the same experiences I had of having dogs or raising chickens, shooting bow and arrow, riding some some four wheelers or dirt bikes, you know, uh, going on some vacations. These were all things that I kind of had in mind as my hopes and dreams. Um, now, I, I've been, I feel like I've been blessed in that uh, God has given me this strength and the ability to, to be able to build the house that I have, and I'm thankful for it. Um, I probably don't do it often enough, but there are times when I stop and I look around and I just think, man, you know, God is so, has been so good to us. He's, been, he's blessed us so much. Um, 
But in the grand scheme of things, when I look at all this stuff, what protection does it really offer? If I lost the means to pay my mortgage, my house would be gone. A storm could come and it could take it all down. None of it will last forever. Um, none of it will last forever in its own strength or in my strength. I mean, <laughs> look at me. I'm, I'm sitting here now. If it, if it were dependent upon me, uh, I would not really be able to do much to, to protect uh, what I have. Um, but the Lord... We're building a house that's outside of that. that. That stuff may be part of what the Lord has blessed us with. He may be building it for us to use for his glory, um, but that is not really what his house is. Um, so what kind of house is it that the Lord wants to build in us and through us? Uh, in Genesis 11 and 12, we see a contrast between two different buildings, two different houses, as it were, uh, chapter Genesis chapter 11, we find the people of the world were joining forces together to build for themselves a great city. Uh, starting at verse 1, it says, At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in a land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and hardened them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar used for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves. The key there, it was built for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. Some translations will say the heavens. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower and the people and the tower that the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse the languages with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. So Babel, um, some believe that, that Babel was actually um, Babylon, uh, that, that that became the same city, um, the city that Nimrod built or started. Um, so the people of Babel had a desire to make their own name great. They wanted to do something uh, that would make themselves revered in all of the world. They found their strength and hope not in God, um, but in their own abilities. They were not building according to God's will. and In fact, they were actually building in defiance of God's will. God's desire was that they would spread out, that they would take dominion over the whole earth. And instead, they were determined to not be scattered, but rather to build one place where they would stay together. And it even seems that the tower that they began to build was in direct defiance to God, as if they were trying to reach heaven on their own. Um, there's even some uh, history books written outside of the Bible where they, they uh, say that, that the tower was built partially in defiance um, to God because of the flood. 
because God had destroyed the world with a flood, they were going to create their own safe haven where if God decided to flood the earth again, that they would have their own way of, of overcoming that. But regardless of the reason of, of why, God saw that their heart was to build something for their own glory. And he stopped their vain attempts and he scattered them across the world. Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Now, immediately following this uh, story of the Tower of Babel, we find a, a list of genealogies that leads us all the way to Terah, who is the father of Abram, who became Abraham. And um, the very thing that first thing that we see in chapter 12 is uh, that it says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So when we look in the Bible, when we look throughout the Bible, we see oftentimes the word house is used to describe a family. Okay, so we see here that Abraham's house, Abraham's family was going to be built into something. Uh, throughout the Bible, we see, um, uh, we, well, like in Hebrews chapter 11, 7, we see that uh, Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house, is what it says. So his, his house included his wife and his sons and his son's wife. It was his family. In Genesis, God was promising to build um, the house of Abraham into a nation. The family of Abraham was to become a nation. Abram was following, um, was a faithful follower of God. When God gave him these instructions, when God is the architect, we talked a few weeks ago about God being an, an architect and building on our faith and turning us into um, better and more useful tools for his glory. Um, but but uh, Abram heard the word of the architect and he obeyed. He was obedient. He wasn't perfect. Sometimes he tried to take matters into his own hand. Sometimes he didn't trust when he should have trusted. But when God spoke, Abram listened. God built a house that would stand through Abram. And now, um, and like I said, later he was known as Abram, but now his house, the, the house of Abraham, has become a nation. And so, and especially if we're looking right now at this time, the time of history that this song was written, you know, this was the family of Abraham. This was the nation of Israel. This was the house that God had built. And so when they walked up to the city, this was all a picture of what God had done uh, through Abraham to create what he wanted, something that would last forever. Now, Abraham became the great-grandfather of David. We find instances uh, in the Bible where they talk about the house of David. Uh, one of those instances is found in 2 Samuel. Uh, we find the prophet Nathan. He's hearing from the Lord. And starting in verse 11, it says, Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make, a king, make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. When God has a plan to build a house, it will not be in vain. 
It will not be wasted, no good, or useless. God promised to Noah that he would save his house, and Noah did not build the ark in vain. God promised to build the house of Abraham, and it grew into a great nation. God promised to build a house for David, a dynasty of kings that he promised would last forever. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. And we can know today that because of what God has already done in the past, where we've said that he, we've seen he's made promises and he's fulfilled them. The things that he said he would build, he built and they stood strong. We can trust that what God wants to build in us, what God wants to build today, he will accomplish. So here we are today, and what is it that God wants to build? What is the house that God wants to build now? Looking at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, 4 through 5, I know we are just finished going through Peter. I can't seem to go get away from the books of Peter. Um, but as a reminder, um, we're going to look at verse 4 and 5. It says, You are coming to Christ. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. Unless the Lord build the, builds the house, it is built in vain. So what kind of house is he building? He's building the spiritual temple. We are the living stones that are being added to this spiritual temple that he is building. And we're commissioned to be part of the process. If we jump ahead a few more verses in Peter and we look at verse 9, it says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. Priests have a purpose. You are a holy nation. God's very own possession. We are God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of, out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Part of God's plan is that we would show others God's goodness, that we'd show others what it looks like to be living stones. We would show others what it looks like when you're one of God's very own possession. Another part of God's building plan is that he's going to keep on polishing us so that we can shine. It talks about um, you were called out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We're supposed to take that light and shine it out into the world. So he's, he wants to polish us up so that we can shine into the world. Philippians 1.6 says, and this is all talking about God building a house. So, so part of it is that we're stones and part of it is what God wants to build us into and shape us into as stones. But it says in Philippians 1.6, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He wants to continue to form us as living stones. He's going to continue to shape us. One of the things I thought was kind of interesting when I was looking at the, the building of the temple is, is somebody said that they didn't actually um, form the stones in the city. There, there weren't hammers and chisels pounding away in the middle of the city at the site of the temple, but the stones were actually shaped for a purpose, for a place, and then brought into the temple. So, um, you know, God has a purpose and a place for us. Even before we're, we're set exactly in where he wants to use us, 
He might be shaping us for a purpose ahead of time. If you want to build something that is not wasted, no good, and useless, we need to allow the Holy Spirit through the Word of God to transform us, to transform you, to transform me, to look more and more like Jesus. And number two, we need to see how God can use us to build his spiritual temple. So the spiritual temple is the church. It's the, it's the body of Christ. It's all the sons and daughters that have been adopted into the family of God. Again, the house is the family of God. It's a, your house is maybe your, your wife and your kids, but God wants to build a spiritual family, the body of Christ, and, uh, and we're being called to make others alive by displaying the power of the cross to them that they can receive and become part of this great house. We can still have hopes and desires. We can still have our plans and our dreams. We can still build a, a home and we can still enjoy the, the blessings that God's, God's given us, um, but they should operate underneath the umbrella of what God is building. God wants to use the things that he's blessed you with to further his kingdom. So use your hobbies and your, to build relationships with other people. Um, be intentional about sharing Jesus with the people that you, that you do the things that you enjoy doing. Uh, when you go fishing or hunting, invite somebody to go with you. I know sometimes hunting isn't the best analogy, but on a boat, you bring somebody with you and they're, they're kind of a captive audience, so that's great. Um, but... But, uh, but you can have an opportunity to uh, talk to them about what God has done in your life. You can share your story with them. Um, if you have a house, invite over neighbors. Um, show them kindness. Ask God, what can I do that would bless them in a way that would open the door for me to share how you've changed my life? God has blessed us. He's given us tools that we can use and if we put it all under his umbrella, not have God here and the stuff that we like to do here, but have all, this, all of it goes underneath. God gave us our passions and our desires and the things that we love to do, and, and, and he wants us to use those things. I mean, the world is going to be uh, attracted to somebody who is enjoying what God has blessed them with. And so we can enjoy life, um, but, but use it to point back to God. When, when the people came up to Jerusalem and they saw the blessings that God had given them, they could, they could take and they could say, look at what we did. Or, he can, or they could point to God and say, God, look what you have done. And if there were people from other nations and they heard these, these pilgrims coming, worshiping God for, for this massive city, this look at what God has done. When they're giving glory to him, now it changes perspective. It makes them look at you and wonder, what is it that you have? How is it that God has able to provide you with that? And that, and it given you the contentment in it too. Like I said, we're not all going to have a uh, uh, lifestyles of the rich and famous home, but to have joy and contentment with what God has given you, um, maybe even in the times when it seems like, you know, you're in a little bit of pain or things are, are not going well, if you can show contentment because you know God is in it, that God is is able to build his house despite our situation, despite our weaknesses. Um, and maybe even because of our weaknesses, he's able to build his house better because his name and his glory can be seen even more. One of the great things about God um, building his house 
is, is that uh, we don't have to take responsibility for the results. We're called to be part of it, but it's God that's building the house. Um, we don't understand how it's going to work. Uh, like I said, at the, like, but like it said at the end of Psalms, it says, uh, it says we shouldn't be anxious about it. God gives the ones that he loves rest. He wants us to rest. So relax, offer your sacrifices, do what you believe God is leading you to do. Uh, maybe it won't work out the way that you expect it will. Maybe it'll take longer than you think it should, um, but we don't need to stress about it. God's not stressed about it. Um, we make our offerings and we trust that God will build his house. Uh, Psalms 127, three through five. Uh, we're gonna finish up the chapter here. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in the warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. So uh, the Israelites from all the tribes are coming to celebrate. They're coming to all these things are celebrations. They, um, they're coming to celebrate God. They're coming to make an offering to him. They're being reminded that God is the one who built their nation, that he's the one who provides for them. He's the one who protects them. And now he's emphasizing that he's the one who's made them grow, right? Children are how, how the nation grew. When you're, when you're talking about the nation of Israel, this is what these people are thinking of when they're, when they're walking up and they're, they're singing these songs and they're hearing about all these, the children and what does that mean to them? That was... That was their future. That was a, a result of the promise of God was going to take Abraham and Sarah and make these two people into a nation whose descendants were to, to outnumber the stars. Um, so their nation started as a man and a wife that God promised that he was going to make a nation to. And I have to say, if I were Abram and I had received this promise, and like I said, you're going to have all these kids, you're going to become a nation, I would have expected that I would have had more kids. That, that's not how I would have thought it was going to happen. But it's God who builds the house. He has the plan. Um, as these worshipers come, Israel is a great nation. Abraham's promise was fulfilled. They become a nation. God had caused them to multiply. He'd blessed them with children and multiplied the nation. So um, according to Deuteronomy, so we're going to look at one of these festivals, it appears that... Um, that oftentimes when they come to these festivals, they would bring their families with them. It wasn't just the men, though the men were the ones required to go. Oftentimes they would bring their families with them and they would set up tents around the city, specifically this, this last festival that, that they had during the year. Some of the festivals were more solemn, but the festival of Sukkot, or it was sometimes called the festival of final harvest or the festival of shelters because it, it referred to the sheltering that they had in the desert as they wandered. Um, this was to be a joyful celebration. So we're going to look at, oh, actually, this wasn't in Deuteronomy. This is in Leviticus. Uh, Leviticus 23, 40 through 43. It says, On the first day, gather branches from magnificent trees, palm fronds, boughs from leafy, leafy trees, and willows that grow by the streams. Then celebrate with joy before the Lord your God for seven days. You must observe this festival to the Lord for seven days every year. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed in, a, in the appointed month from generation to generation. For seven days, you must live outside 
in little shelters. All native-born Israelites must live in shelters. This will remind each new generation of Israelites that I made their ancestors live in shelters when I rescued them from the land of Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. So if you can imagine uh, coming up to Jerusalem, like I said, there's valleys all around Jerusalem, so you're kind of walking up to the city, um, and the landscape, the hillside that you're seeing, is peppered with all these little shelters. And, and around the f- shelters, you have families, kids. Uh, they've, they've got their sacrifices with, so they probably have some animals maybe hanging around outside their, their tents. And, and uh, you can imagine maybe the kids are running around playing. Um, this is a joyful time. This is a time to celebrate. This is something that maybe they look forward to all year long. The final harvest is over. And here they are gathering together as a nation all around the place that they worship, that where they offer worship to God and they're celebrating with joy. Um, but it is the children that are kind of standing out. Um, it's their laughter, it's their games um, that make you, those are the things that make you smile, that kind of, um, I don't know, they bring, bring excitement to a family gathering when you see all the kids there. And it makes you praise God all the more, not just because they're cute, not just because they're lighthearted and, and fun, um, but when you look at these kids, especially as a nation of Israel that was blessed to become a nation through these children that multiplied and multiplied. So when they look around and they see these families, um, they see God's provision of providing for the next generation of their nation. They see that God had created from them a, a, a great nation because he he raised up and, and blessed them with children, where they were able to pass on um, a lineage of, of, of a relationship with God, being children of God. And so their nation was, um, had grown. Uh, it, but it wasn't just that they each individually had kids. It wasn't just a joy in that their name would be carried on, but this was that the house of David, that the house of Abraham um, that the promises made that these would stand forever. As they came forward, they saw these kids and they praised God. Now, I don't know if, uh, if you're aware of this. I didn't actually recognize this until, until I was going through this, but we have a similar festival here at Bible Center Church. You can mark your calendars as we talked about this. Uh, we have family camp. I mean, look at it. Uh, we gather with all of our families around the place where we worship, we set up little shelters to stay in, and we offer praise and worship to God with joy. And so, um, now, it's not exactly the same. Uh, some of the shelters seem to roll in with two axles. Um, we, we aren't quite to the seven-day mark uh, of, of how long the event is, but, uh, but we, we have a chance to kind of come together and just celebrate what God has done uh, here at Bible Center Church and what he's doing as he's given us all these kids uh, that he's invested to us to raise up as a next generation. So all kidding aside, and not that I'm really kidding, you should mark your calendars and we, we should come out to this. Um, this is one of those opportunities to, to shine your light and be a, be a, a member of this, this spiritual temple that God's building and, and help to even shape the other stones to become uh, a better uh, better abled part of the body of Christ. But, um, but all that aside, um, there's been some major movements in our culture today that have kind of made children seem like they're more of a burden than they are of a blessing. 
Um, when people approach the idea of having kids, they really weigh their options on whether or not it's, it's worth it or not. And um, I think that if I had pondered this more at a younger age, I might have considered having more kids. Um, I still sometimes think about maybe adopting uh, kids in the future. Uh, we haven't quite come to that decision yet, but, but I think that would be an awesome thing to do. Um, but our culture, um, the culture that we grow up in and even the family that we grow up in kind of uh, helps shape our our picture of what we think our family might look like. If you grew up in a small family, that's kind of the image that you have in your head. When you look around the culture and you see even the majority of the cars are made for five people, you know, and if you put, you know, three kids in the back seat, eventually as they get bigger, it, even that gets kind of squished. So, um, you know, we, we kind of have a mindset of, of uh, you know, burden versus blessing, and we really kind of weigh it out. Um, as you, as most of you know, I've mentioned before about when we, um, when we became pregnant with Hannah, um, I, <laughs> I was definitely seeing Hannah as a burden, not a blessing. When I first found out, it took me a little bit, bit to uh, to overcome that, and and I just had the wrong mindset, and uh, and now like she is nothing but a blessing. Like I couldn't imagine a sweeter, more precious blessing. Um, than she is right now, the way she snuggles up with me. Now, you older kids, and I've got Kyle here, and he's, he's giving me the eye. And so, um, no, but uh, older kids, if you have younger siblings, if you've got little ones that, uh, little, little sisters or brothers that you see maybe your parents giving a little bit of extra attention to, know that, that you got that when you were that age too, and you are still a blessing to your parents. You're still a blessing to your parents, but you become a different kind of blessing. They're, they're not looking for you at, you know, 110 pounds or however size you are to come snuggle into their laps. That can, that can be a little bit much sometimes. But as we watch you grow up and become young men and young women, um, we are so blessed to see what you're turning into. And we're encouraged and we're proud of, of the people that, that God is shaping you into. And so... Uh, know that you are loved by your parents and that you are still a blessing and you continue to be a blessing throughout your life to your parents. Um, our children are a blessing. And I don't mean just our own personal children, but the children, like I said, the children of Bible Center Church um, are a blessing to the Bible Center Church family. Um, these are kids that are a huge part of the spiritual temple that God is building and he's entrusted them to us, us as a church family, to nourish them, to help build them up when, in God's word, um, whether you're helping to teach in Sunday school, um, whether you, you uh, help support them to go to summer camps or you go and, and become a counselor yourself, um, going to, to these youth conferences, sending them as a church to these conferences. These are all opportunities for us to help shape and mold them um, to, to allow God to build them into a spiritual stone, a living stone that can be part of a spiritual temple. It is our job to live lives in front of them that display what it looks like to be a true follower of God, uh, to be uh, someone who worships like somebody who loves God. Um, I oftentimes think back to Dave, Dave when I was a kid, and I've told him this before, but he used to sit over here, and I used to sit over there, and I remember watching, and eventually when I got older, I was over there, but it, it's fun. We all have our seats, right? Um, but I remember watching him, you know, at times standing there worshiping, and, and it was a picture to me of what it looked like to worship uh, 
a God that you loved. And so he was a display of that for me. Um, we are all called to do that. You may not even know that you're doing it. You might not know that you are shaping and molding, um, but you are. And so God has called us to be a part of building a spiritual house. Um, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. In a moment, uh, we're going to sing a closing song. Uh, as we sing, I want you to take a moment and ask yourselves, am I building a house uh, or am, am I building a house <laughs> or is God building a house through me? Am I building a house or is God building a house out of me? Am I shining bright and gathering more living stones into this house that God is building? That, that includes the children in this church, children that God's given you into your own houses. Um, are we investing into them? Or are we focused on things that only feed our own desires and our own interest, our own passions? And at the end of the day, when life is all said and done, it was just a waste of time. It was just wasted. It was just vain. God has a plan for us right where we are. Uh, let's ask him what it is he wants to do, how he wants to build his temple through us. Amen? Amen. God wants to build a spiritual house, but we can't do it on our own. If you're a parent, you are not equipped to raise your kids in the way that they need to be raised if you're not asking God to help you, to give you wisdom, if you're not praying for them, if you're not allowing God to shape you as a parent so that you can shape them as, as a child, um, we, just, we can't do it without God. Those of you who are out in the workforce or even if you're retired, we can't be a light into the world if we aren't asking Jesus where to shine. I feel like sometimes we can, we can be, you know, maybe not purposefully, but that light can be hidden under a bushel, you know? Um, but ask, ask God, where, what am I supposed to do with this light? How, how can I shine it? How can, how can you get the most building progress out of me um, by directing this light in, in, in the right direction, in the right way? If you're a, a kid, if you're a young adult, and you don't want to live a life that's wasted, a life that's no good and useless, commit to letting God build you into a house. He wants to build you into a house. He wants to build you into an integral part of the kingdom of God that will make an impact, that will stand, that will last forever. And so we have to look at what are God's plans? How does, what kind of a stone am I supposed to be? What is that supposed to look like so that I can be a part of something that at the end of my life, I'm not going to look back and say, that was wasted, that was useless, that was no good. But we can look back and see, look what God has done to establish something great. God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. Uh, seek God for what it is. Allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to shape you each day. Um, depend on God. Live underneath the umbrella of God building a house. Use all the things that He's given you. Amen. All right. You can go and be dismissed today to go in the power of the Holy Spirit, shining the light of Jesus, bringing glory to God.